My heart now has peace because he saved my soul. My sins are washed away since Jesus came to stay. I'm so glad that Jesus Christ has made me whole. Praise the Lord Jesus loves you and me so much that he would die upon a tree. The spotless lamb was slain at Calvary. Praise the Lord, Jesus loves you and me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to Him belong. They are weak, but He is strong. The burdens of the past are lifted now at last. And someday I will see Him face to face. Praise the Lord, Jesus loves you. So much that he would die upon a tree. The spotless lamb was slain at Calvary. Praise the Lord, Jesus loves you and me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Praise the Lord, Jesus loves you and me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Amen. All right, go ahead and get your Bibles out and go to the book of James. James chapter 5. James chapter 5. Sometimes I like to use, I don't know, I guess unusual illustrations, maybe unique ones a little bit. And I've got kind of a strange title to the message today. But before I tell you the title and what I'm preaching about, I want to read a passage of Scripture for you. And in James chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Go to now, ye rich men, weep and howl, for your miseries that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver is cankered, and the rust of them shall be a witness against you, and ye shall eat your flesh as it were fire. Ye have heaped treasure together for the last days. Behold, the hire of the laborers 
who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud, crieth, and the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. Ye have lived in pleasure on earth and been wanton. Ye have nourished your hearts as in the day of slaughter. Ye have condemned and killed the just, and he doth not resist you. Be patient, therefore, brethren, under the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it, until he receive the early and latter rain. But be ye also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Right here we see a passage of Scripture that reminds us that the Lord is coming. The Lord of Sabaoth. I don't, I don't know the exact definition of that, but I've heard people say that that's the Lord's fighting name. Have you ever heard of somebody that has a fighting name? And that's the Lord of Sabaoth. That is His fighting name. When that comes up, that usually means He's talking about vengeance. He's talking about punishment. And that day is coming when the Lord is going to come and He is going to judge this earth for the wickedness. And this is a reminder of it in that passage. And I want you to notice verse 5 in here. How it mentions you have lived in pleasure on the earth and been wanton. You have nourished your hearts as in the day of slaughter. Lived in, you've lived in pleasure. You've been having your fun. And you've been wanton. That word wanton means deviating from the rules of chastity. Lewd. Lustful. Lascivious. And so that, that basically what it's saying, you, know, you have just lived for pleasure. You've lived for lust, whatever your heart wanted, that is what you went for. And that is I really I believe what sums up Americans today. We are people that are really just addicted to pleasure. That we only think about pleasing ourselves. What pleases this flesh? That is the attitude. I know it's always kind of been of mankind, but I believe especially in America today, and I'm especially talking about Americans today, because we are a very blessed people. We do live in a very prosperous nation. And you know, the other, the other night my wife and I were driving home, we were just kind of talking about really just some of the challenges that we're facing in this world today and how hard it is to you know how hard it is to do right. And how hard it is to, you know, just you know, raise good kids in this day and age. We have so much working against us. And I, we were talking about, it and kind of this, you know, thought came to my mind. And I'm kind of using it today for a title. I said, you know, I said, trying to turn out good kids today, and trying to do right today is basically like somebody trying to stay skinny while living in Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. And that's what I want to talk about today, staying healthy while living in a chocolate factory. Now, I know this is, this is carnal, folks. Maybe, I'm, maybe I shouldn't use this as an example. But you know, when I was a kid, I loved Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. And I still kind of like that movie. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, I loved that show, and my mom hated it. She just hated the Oompa Loompa song. It gets stuck in her head. And every year when they would go away for their anniversary, they would always rent that for us because it was the only time we were allowed to watch it was when my mom wasn't around. And to this day, around New Year's, I like to watch Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. It's just, I, don't, I don't know why that is. But if you've ever seen it, they go in this chocolate factory and they're just surrounded by candy and everything. The plants, the trees, it's all, it's all edible. You can eat every bit of it. And I remember as a kid, I'd look at that and think, man, I would love 
to go to Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. I would love to just go there and have a good time eating it. And of course, Charlie, he gets the factory given to him at the end of the movie. Oh man, can you imagine living in the chocolate factory and having all that candy that you could ever want to eat? And the truth is, you and I know that wouldn't be a good thing, would it? That would be really bad if you ate that all the time. But here's the, you know, but here's the thing. We're pretty much living in that in America today. I mean, just look at how easy it is to get all the junk. I mean, at Walmart, they put all the candy right there by the checkout. You have to go buy the candy, don't you? And they do. You know, I, I used to think they did that that way. You know, kids would all start screaming when they see the candy, and the parents find you know just buy it just to save the embarrassment. But I've learned it's not just so much about the kids; it's the adults too. Because I'm standing there waiting in line, and I'm looking at that candy, and I don't. I, I don't need that. But boy, quite often, I take some, don't I? The soda, right there. They put it right there in the cooler, all ready to go. You know, I mean, I'm telling you, there's something about a Dr. Pepper and a Snickers. Or lately, it's been peanut butter Twix. I don't know what it is with that. But right there, we've got gas stations that are just full of just junk. And we're prosperous enough in this country, we can afford to buy those things. If we couldn't, they wouldn't, be, they wouldn't have it everywhere. It wouldn't be all over the place. And it's hard to eat healthy, isn't it, when we're, you're just surrounded by junk? I mean, I went, I gave, I gave up, folks, on the going without soda. I made it, how many days? I made it like 45 or something like that. I made, it, I made it pretty long, but I finally said, this is stupid. And uh, I went and I fell, off the, I fell off the wagon again. And you know, one of the hardest things is you go to a fast food restaurant and pretty much all they have are fountain drinks. Unless you want to drink their water that tastes like it came from the toilet. And it's hard, it's hard in this, in this country, isn't it, to eat healthy. And it's because we are surrounded by temptation. And not only is it hard, you know, just as far as that goes, okay? And that's, I'm not that worried about that. But when it comes to spiritually being healthy, we are surrounded by things that fight that, aren't we? We are surrounded by things that go against being spiritual. I mean, you know, I mean, not only do they have the candy and the soda and stuff at the front, but you know what else they have? They have sensual magazines right there at the front, don't they? Right there. I mean, we're just surrounded by those things. You can drive places and you see stuff on billboards that you shouldn't be looking at. You know, there's just, you know, TVs everywhere and just, I mean, just constant filth and garbage. And we're trying, we're supposed to live godly lives in this. We're supposed to try to be spiritually healthy when we're living. In our country today, it's spirit, a spiritual chocolate factory. I mean, we are just surrounded by the pleasures of this world, the lust of the flesh. And I'm, just, I'm here today to tell you, it's hard. It really is hard. And Americans today especially, we are addicted to pleasure. I mean, we are absolutely addicted to it. I mean, people, what they do to themselves physically because of this junk. I mean, and we don't seem to care. Why could we want those things? And we indulge in whatever pleasure we can without even giving a second thought to the consequences that we know will come. Go look at Romans chapter 1 and verse 32. I want to show you a passage of scripture there, but we're not going to read all of Romans chapter 1. But it names off a bunch of horrible sins, terrible things that we shouldn't do. And then it says, these people who do it, who knowing the judgment of God, Okay? These people that do these sins, these are ones that know the judgment of God 
that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do them, but have pleasure in them that do them. Talking about reprobates there, they know that they are going to be judged for the things that they do. There's people out there today, I believe they know that they're on their way to hell. But they love sin so much, they don't care. They don't think about it. And they continue living in that pleasure knowing what it's going to do. That is our society. That is our culture. That's what we're living in today. And a great example of that. Smoking. Alright? I was looking at... On the packages, it says smoking causes lung cancer, heart disease, emphysema, and may complicate pregnancy. But people still buy them, don't they? And it's, you know, quitting smoking now greatly, quitting smoking now greatly reduces serious risks to your health. They put that on the package. And people still get it. Smoking by pregnant women may result in fetal injury, premature birth, and low birth weight. I've seen pregnant women smoking. They don't, they don't care. It also says on them, cigarette smokes contains carbon monoxide. Who cares? They make me feel good. They relieve my stress. They bring me pleasure. And so they go ahead and do it, don't they? People know the consequences of it. They know what alcohol does to their liver. They know what it does to their body. We know all these things, but we don't care because they give us pleasure. And we said we all want to be fit. We all want to you know, go on that diet. And we all know what the junk food is going to do. We all know what McDonald's does. We all know what soda does. But we don't care because it brings us pleasure. And it's one thing on the physical end, but on the spiritual end, we know the things that we're doing that are going to harm us spiritually. We know the things that are going to cause us problems with God, and yet people still do it because of the simple fact it brings them pleasure. Folks, that is our society today. That is, that is who we are. That is what we do. I mean, look at the drug problems that they're having today. You would think, if people know what drugs do. They've seen the people that have gone to rehab. They've heard about the people you know, that died from an overdose or got a bad batch or something. They, people know what happens as a result of this, but they do it anyway. Why? Pleasure. No matter what we have, it's never enough and we always want more. Psalm chapter 78, we're not going to take time to read that whole chapter, but it tells us, talks about all the things that God did for them while they were in the wilderness. And how He fed them manna. He gave them angels' food. But you know what? They got sick of it. And they started complaining. And God sent them a bunch of quails. May I remember the story? He sent a whole bunch of quails for them to eat so they would have flesh to eat. Because they wanted flesh to eat. And they went. And when God sent those quails, they just went nuts and started devouring those things like a bunch of animals. And it says there in Psalms, when God saw that, I mean, God got angry, and it says He slew the fattest of them. Because it made them sick. Why, did they, why were they acting that way? They had what they needed. They weren't starving. There's a story in the Bible where God got angry at a bunch of Saul's soldiers. Saul had had him go on this fast that was really pointless. And then when he later lifted the fast, they went and they pretty much attacked an animal and they just ate it raw. And that angered God. They weren't supposed to eat the blood like that. And it was just. But those guys were starving. In Israel, during that time, they weren't starving. They had what they needed, but they wanted more. There was more pleasure in the quail, there was more pleasure in the meat. And they just devoured it like a bunch of rabid dogs. 
And it made God sick when He saw them doing that. And the Bible says He killed them right there. This problem of never being able to have enough, it goes back to the Garden of Eden. Eve, Adam and Eve, they lived in paradise, didn't they? They lived in paradise. Of all the trees you may freely eat, just one that you can't eat from. But what do they want? They wanted that one that they couldn't eat from. It's human nature. I've done that. I've done it before with my kids. I've done it with other people's kids. You get a little kid and you put a whole bunch of toys out and tell them not to play with one, and they go for the one. There was one kid I knew. He was so bad all the time. I remember one time we put one toy that he shouldn't have in a pile of a bunch of toys. We didn't tell him anything. And I was like, this kid's so rotten. Watch, he will go for the one thing that he shouldn't have. And sure enough, he did. It's it's human nature. We want those things we can't have. We just never can seem to have enough. And we're not only this way with food, but we're this way with entertainment. I was just at Walmart the other day, and they have now ultra-high-definition TVs. And I was looking at that screen, and I felt like I could put my hand in there and just... It, it was that clear. I mean, it's just, it's beautiful. I mean, and I thought, good night. And, man, we love our entertainment, don't we? It's amazing the things that people don't have money for, but yet we can buy those things. We can buy, we can buy those TVs, and they have, I mean, just these massive TVs, you know, now we've got Blu rays, you know, not DVDs anymore, now it's Blu ray. We've got all these things. And then, Apparently, though, it's not even enough to just have those ultra-high definition, you know, 40, 50, 60 inch screens. You know, people want to go to the movie theaters; they can see it on this big, massive screen. We just, we never, we can never have enough. And then, even when it comes to the the filth that's on TV, the things that appeals to that sinful flesh that we have, notice how it just gets more vile all the time, more and more violence. You know, it wasn't enough back in the old days when, in the original Frankenstein, when they he threw a girl in the water. And they had to cut that out because that was too violent. That really happened. But then what now? That's nothing. It's not enough to see you know body parts cut off and just all the filth and junk that's on there. People want more and more just, I mean, just the sensual garbage and people just can't get enough in America. Used to, if you wanted to see pornography or something, you had to go to some nasty place where you didn't want anybody seeing you, where nobody wanted to go because they didn't want to be seen in that part of town. Now you can get it anywhere. Now you can get it at Walmart. Now you can go watch it at the movie theater. Now you can get it on your cell phone. I mean, we are surrounded by the filth of this world that our flesh lusts after, aren't we? And we're supposed to be spiritually healthy. God doesn't want us doing those things, but let's just admit it, we're in a tough situation. You'd be in big trouble if you were trying to go on a diet and you moved into the chocolate factory. And I'm telling you right now, we need to go on a spiritual diet, but we're living in a spiritual chocolate factory right now. And it's not easy. These problems that we have, I believe, are worse in America because of just the overabundance of everything that we have. I mean, look at the food that we throw away in this country. You know, look at... Now, I see people now all the time, those, I remember those original big screen TVs, those big, huge, wide ones. You know, people throw those away now. Why? Because they're, they're not good enough. That's not enough. You know, cell phones. You know, people used to think it was great if they just had a cell phone. But now, you know, it's got to be able to do everything in the world. You, know, you can go to McDonald's now, it's on the drive through, and you can pay for your food with your cell phone. I'm thinking, this is just my theory, totally off the subject. 
I think the mark of the beast is going to be like a cell phone screen they're going to plant in your hand. That's what, that's, what, that's, what, that's, what, that's what it's all going. Pretty soon they're going to want it all right there and plant it in their hand. And that's the mark of the beast. I don't know. But anyway, side note. But just look around. I mean, look at, around at what we're surrounded with. So, you know, even with the food thing. I've been places before where I'll see a McDonald's and literally like two blocks down the road there's another McDonald's. And we just we can't get enough of that stuff. They can't give it to it fast enough. We can't get it fast enough. And they can't make it junky enough. I mean, we're just the look at all the electronic stores where you can go and buy everything your dirty flesh desires. I mean, it's just right there. It's getting cheaper and cheaper all the time where everybody can afford it. And you know, and then we're trying to get the younger generation, we're supposed to try to get the younger generation to put down their iPads and iPods and stuff and pick up a book and look at black words on white paper. That's hard. And listen, a lot of churches are going, there's this philosophy going around, well, this is where the younger generation is at and this is where we got to go. Listen, our younger, this generation right now, it's on its way to hell. This generation that we're in right now, it's so dumbed down, it's not even funny. And we're not going to beat them by joining them. Uh, it's not. It's not going to happen. And we've got churches now. I'm telling you, a lot of young people they cannot sit and listen to a 30 minute sermon. We've had we've had guys in their 30s in here before. I mean, they're just like some little kid fidgeting around, moving around, getting up and going to the bathroom a couple times during a service because they can't sit and just listen to somebody talk. They have to go to some place where they got the big screens, the fancy lights, the fog machines, the you know all they got to have. They got to have all those screens and stuff because they. They can't go one hour without looking at a screen. We carry them around in our pockets. And that we are just addicted to these things. And then we're supposed to try to get them reading a Bible. Oh man, there's no pictures in here. And even if we put pictures in there, I want video. Oh, that's not even high definition video. And it's hard, isn't it? It is hard. This generation is so dumbed down. It's not even funny. I mean, they are almost incapable of reading a book and getting anything out of it. They can't pay attention long enough. Why? Because we have just become accustomed to doing whatever our flesh wants to do. And our flesh likes the flashing lights and all those things. And just sitting down and reading a Bible, black words on white paper, that tells you things like you're a sinner... Well, that doesn't really appeal to the flesh, does it? And people, they, they don't want to do it. We're trying to get them to come and listen, and said we're, we're not we're not cool enough. We don't have you know like, you know maybe you know, I, I guess we got a cool stage and we did the flashing lights and I would come in with a dramatic entrance with maybe some theme music, fog machine, fireworks. Uh, you know they'd probably pay a little more attention to me, wouldn't they? You know if we if we you know when we sang if we had a choir up here and there was a bunch of scantily clad females, then the guys would probably pay attention. They probably wouldn't be going out to go to the bathroom every five minutes. That that kind of thing gets their attention, doesn't it? That kind of thing works. But should we be doing that kind of thing? Absolutely not. And we're not going to do that thing. But at the same time, we're trying to reach this younger generation. We're trying to teach them to follow Christ. We're trying to be godly examples. We're trying to teach them to go against the lust of the flesh. But this is us. This is me trying to do it. This this is you and I. And let you know, let's just admit it. We're not all that cool, are we? You know, there's a lot of cooler people that they could they could follow. 
on Twitter and Facebook. That you know, people that have you know five million followers or whatever, and that you know are a lot more hip and trendy than you and I are. That you know, tell them what they want to hear, and that's what everybody wants to follow. I mean, when you look at what we're competing with, it's not real easy, is it, folks? I mean, this is not an easy situation. And many preachers are even saying, you know, we've got to adapt. Let's go ahead and dumb everything down. But you know, that's not the solution that we see in the Bible. There is a solution to this, folks. So I know this might be discouraging all these things I'm telling you, but there is a solution to fixing this problem. God told us that this was going to happen. Go to First Tim or Second Timothy chapter three. Second Timothy chapter three. We're going to see the solution here. But I want to show you that this is this, what's going on right now is not a surprise to God. Remember, like we talked about last week, He sees the whole whole thing from beginning to end. He says, "This know also that in the last time perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters. We want stuff. We want everything. We're covetous. Why? Sometimes just because we want to brag about what we have. Hey, come see my sixty inch TV." Hey, will you come see my 70-inch TV? Oh, man, guys, you're beating me by 10 inches. That kind of stuff really gets a lot of folks, doesn't it? Lover, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God. You know why people don't want to do this today, what we're doing? Because they love pleasure more than they love God. Now, we could bring pleasure in here and folks would love that, but is that making them love God? No. We're supposed to, they're supposed to love God, be love, but the Bible said in the last days that people are going to be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. So, where is the cure? What is the solution? How are we going to fix this? Well, it's really the same way we fix the health problem. And I'm afraid it's an answer that we don't really like. Just like the health problem is diet and exercise. While living in the chocolate factory, we need to eat our vegetables. We need to eat real vegetables. You know, not all the Monsanto junk. You know, that's another subject. (laughs) But, I mean, we, you know, instead of drinking the soda, you might need to drink water. Instead of sitting on the couch all the time or on the computer, you might need to get up and hit the gym, do some exercise, go running. We all know it's diet and exercise, don't we? But boy, we sure and we sure love hearing about the pill on the commercial. There's just some pill I could take. You know, please just give me a pill for it, right? There's a pill, right? No, there is no pill. Okay, you can try some of those things, and yeah, they'll show you pictures and no. All those people that lost that weight, it wasn't just because they took the pill. There's diet and exercise in there too. And some of them probably didn't even take the pill. All right? They're just lying to you. And I know that's not an exciting solution. I wish I could get up here and I could tell you, Dave, you know, the solution to this spiritual problem, well, I just figured it out. It's this exciting new revolutionary way that we've got to go about doing everything. But you know what? It's really pretty simple, folks. And it's very basic. I wish I was about to give you something really deep here. But in 2 Timothy chapter 4, right after chapter 3 where it talks about these things, we see the solution. It says in verse 1, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom. Preach the word. 
Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but will after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away the ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure affliction, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. What's the work of an evangelist? It's proclaiming the Gospel. And what does the Bible say? It said, in season, out of season, you preach the Word. You use sound doctrine. And you know what? That's what we're going to use here to get the Gospel to the next generation. I'm not going to go see how many people I can connect with on Facebook and Twitter and use all those things. You know, I'm going to preach the Gospel. And we're going to preach it the way God said to preach it. We're going to still sing the sacred hymns of the faith. We're going to keep... We're not going to... Bring in the rock, you know, the rock groups and the fog machines and the fancy lights. We're going to teach sound doctrine from the Word of God, and we're going to have to teach them to endure it. It's not easy, just like exercise. Not easy. You have to endure. Eating right is not easy. You have to endure. It's the same thing spiritually. We're going to have to endure, and people don't want to endure it today. Man, that that church man, they preach hard on stuff. I got uncomfortable. And, you know, everybody in our country today, they love and they praise Jillian Michaels because she screams in people's face and she insults them and she tells them how lazy and fat they are to try to get them in better shape and everybody thinks that she's great. But if a preacher does the same thing about the Word of God, oh, he's terrible. Oh, he's so hateful. He's so harsh. Jesus wouldn't do that. Jesus would just love them all. Jesus would love them all into hell, is what they're basically saying. And you know, we're not going to love people into hell. We're going to try to love them out of hell. And sometimes people need to be yelled at a little bit. And they need to be shook up and woke up. And they need the truth thrown in their face that, hey, you're a sinner. You're on your way to hell. And it's, it's not flashy. It's not exciting. It's not fun. It's not what people want to hear. But it's the truth. It is absolutely the truth. And the Bible said when that day came, when the day came, when I believe we're in it, we're entering into it where people aren't enduring sound doctrine. They're being turned unto fables. Boy, they love the preachers that just tell stories. You want to know the most popular preachers around are ones who are just good at telling stories. They barely crack open the Bible. They barely show any Scripture. They don't teach sound doctrine. But boy, they sure tell good stories. Oh, did you, did you hear that story he told? Oh, that moved me so much. I felt so good after hearing that story. But no Bible. Nobody gets excited about the Bible. They don't... The sound doctrine. That's what we're supposed to be doing. That's what we're supposed to be teaching. And people are heaping to themselves the teachers, having the itching ears, wanting somebody just to make them feel good. Why? Because they love pleasure. They love pleasures more than they love God. And so if we're going to fix this problem, if we're going to make a difference at all... We have to stay true to sound doctrine and we can't get discouraged that the masses are going away from it. We can't let that affect us. We can't let it discourage us. You know, there was a time when this type of preaching, I mean, it, it had no problem filling up a place. But now, it, it's, it can clear a place out pretty fast sometimes. But it's what God said to do and He said that would happen. So why are people quitting and saying, we must be doing something wrong? No. He said, be instant in season and out of season. And I believe... Bible preaching and sound doctrine, it's out of season right now. 
But we're supposed to keep on doing it. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Also, verse 14 of chapter 3 says, "...but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them." You know what else we need? We need to follow good examples. I said, I'm getting really tired of preachers, and sometimes even older preachers. I hear younger ones say it all the time, but sometimes even older preachers saying, you know, we've got to basically follow the younger generation. We've got to go where they're at. We've got to, you know, this is this is where they are today. And we've got to go there. So you are going to follow their example. When God said, you know, they should be following your example. And we ought to be following the example of those before us. Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast heard them. Okay, I know who taught me what I'm what I know and what I'm doing. And you know what? It stood the test of time. I've got to see the results. All this new stuff that's coming up that all the younger people are wanting to get into, I haven't got to see the results of that yet. Why? Because it's all new. And I'm not supposed to follow that. I'm supposed to follow those before me, not the ones that are after me. Why would I do that? That's not what God said to do. And we need to we need to follow good examples. Make the purpose of your life to please God. The Bible says that we were created for His pleasure. For His pleasure, we are and we're created. But everybody's trying to figure out how we can please ourselves. What would please the people in the church? Instead of what would please God? Willow Creek, out in, uh, out in the suburbs somewhere, before they started that church, massive church, mega church, you know how they figured out what to do? He went and he did surveys. Hey, what is it that you like about church? And what do you not like about church? He wanted to find out what would please the people. And you know what? He was successful in figuring it out. And has this massive church. But is that pleasing to God? From what I've heard goes on in that place, I do not think so. Not one bit. We're not going to go take surveys in town to find out what people like. We're going to, The only survey we need is the survey done by God on Himself. What He wants. What He thinks. And that's what we're supposed to follow. And if the purpose of your life is to please God, well then you'll worry about what He says instead of what pleases you. And what pleases us isn't usually good for us, is it? We've all said that before. Why is it that everything that's bad for you has to taste so good? And everything that's good for you has to taste so bad? I mean, who wants to eat raw carrots all the time? Not me. Uh, I, don't, I don't like them. Not very good. So, make the purpose you like to please God. And then, so, you know, folks, I wish I could tell you it was this, it was this fun, great thing. But it's really simple. You're gonna have, if you're going to do the right thing, you're going to be spiritually healthy in this world. You're just going to have to have faith and just trust God. We're out of season right now, folks. What we do here is not in season. And it's easy to look around and say, are we doing something wrong? What's going on? No. We know, if you know what the Bible says, you're just going to have to have faith and just trust God. I wish I could, we could figure out a way without faith. I wish I, could, I wish I could give you some kind of proof that you're going to heaven. I wish I could do some kind of blood test or something to see if you're 
you know, really saved, or if there was something we can do, if you, you can see your reflection in this fancy mirror I have, and that means you're saved. If not, you're you know you're lost. I, I wish it was that simple. I wish I could do something. See, you didn't need faith, but you know what? You're going to have to trust God's word. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You're going to have to just trust that, folks. You're going to have you're going to have to trust it. I can't show you anything physically, and I can't show you any proof right now. For a lot of things that the Bible's true, you know, I can give examples and things, but the truth is, I can't completely prove it. You're going to have to just trust God. That's the way. It, that's the way it works. You're going to have to be long suffering. It mentioned in there, long suffering. What does long suffering mean? Suffering long. <laughs> it's not always easy, but you're going to have to keep doing it. You're going to have to be charitable. See, we're not. You don't have time to read through all these things, but. We see being charitable in there. In other words, you're going to have to love others more than you love yourself. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to love God. This is and that is being charitable is completely opposite of pleasing yourself. That is a complete opposite of our human nature and what we nat- naturally do. And then finally, we see in there that we've got to have patience. Patience. Isn't that kind of like long suffering? Yeah, but it's, it was included in there too. It told all those things. Be charitable, you know, patience, long suffering. We've got. We're gonna. We're gonna have to be patient, and wait for what? The coming of the Lord. The coming of the Lord. Jesus said, "You know, when I come, will I find faith in the earth?" When Jesus Christ returns, is He going to find us doing what He has called us to do? Are we going to be? Are we going to continue on in patience until His return, or are we just going to give up, go with the crowd, basically fall asleep? You know, it's a lot easier to sleep sometimes than it is to get up and do what you're supposed to do. It was a little harder today. We lost an hour of sleep, didn't we? It took a little extra effort today, and sometimes it's easier to just sleep, and spiritually it's easier to just sleep. But you know, it's time for us to get up. It's time for us to wake up. It's time for us to stay awake. And we're going to have to have patience. So, no simple pill solution, folks. It's really pretty basic. We've just got we've got to stick to what we're doing. We've got to stick to sound doctrine, follow those good examples, in spite of what's going on around us. And just I hope you know this is helping you just understand. Though I see what we're up against. I fully understand what we are living. We are living in a spiritual chocolate factory. We have whatever pleasure that you have. We've got it. It's there. It's all over the place. It is so hard not to sin. But God didn't look in there and say, you know, in the last days, perilous times shall come. And when it does, just give up. Just join them. Go to where they're at. You can maybe make a mention of me and you'll reach them that way. No! He wants us to be an example. He wants us to endure long-suffering. That is what God has called us to do. And I hope that you'll determine in your heart to do that. And so let's all stand together right now with our heads bowed and eyes closed. Staying spiritually healthy while living in a spiritual chocolate factory. It's, it's not easy. You're going to have temptations as soon as you walk out that door. You're going to be faced with things. that There's things that are going to come up this week. It is going to be hard for you to do the right thing. And you know, there is no easy way you're going to have to endure. Be long-suffering. You're going to have to ask God to help you. You're going to have to walk in the Spirit. You're going to have to do some spiritual exercise. You might have to do some extra Bible reading and extra praying and just extra trusting God. And you just, you've got to 
endure. It's not easy. And as the pianist plays, the Lord spoke to your heart. 